Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 16th day of November, 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this outside in kind of a gloomy day in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. We don't get many gloomy days in Palo Alto. I kind of like it. I like gray weather. I like it when it gets a little chilly. I like it when you're not sure if it's going to rain or not. I don't know, maybe if I lived in Seattle, I would be more appreciative of the sunny weather. But here in California, I'm more appreciative of the chilly, cloudy weather. You always kind of want what you don't have, don't you? They've, yo, I've always wanted this, and I live here. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of when it's like 20 degrees below zero. But then again, I think it's worse when it's like 110 degrees and you can't even move. You can always put on stuff. You can't always take off stuff. Eventually, you got to stop taking off stuff. You know, there are laws against taking off too much stuff. But anyway, that's not what I want to talk about today. We're in the middle of the offseason. Some of the awards are coming in. And some of them are absolutely, you know, not a surprise in the least. Rookie of the Year went down exactly the way Pullman and Seeger and Manager of the Year. No shock. It's Francona and Roberts. You know, it, it, it's pretty cut and dry. It's not a lot of suspense. I still think the most suspense we're going to get is in the uh, the American League Cy Young and the American League Most Valuable Player. Because, you know, I think the National League Cy Young, well, I think it's going to be Scherzer, and I think the, the MVP is going to be Bryant, and I have no problem with either one of them. And, you know, I hope it's, I would love it to be Kluber, and I would love it to be Trout. Um, I'd be really, really surprised. Since I saw they were all starting pitchers, I think, I think Kluber's probably going to take it. And, you know, it could go, I don't know. I think it's go. I think they'll go to my picks, Kluber and Trout. So not a lot of big suspense. We will see who wins the American League MVP in a few days. I want to talk about something though. I want to talk about that team that Corey Kluber pitched for. That I mean, still pitches for. That would be the Cleveland Indians. Now the Cleveland Indians have the longest drought of any franchise in worlds for a World Series victory. This is one reason why I want to see the Washington Nationals win a World Series, so I can stop putting these goddamn qualifiers on it, because the city of Washington has not had a world championship since 1924, but that franchise that won the World Series in Washington in 1924 is now the Minnesota Twins, who have won two World Series in Minnesota, and the Washington Nationals franchise, (laughs) they were formed in 1969 as the Expo, so you kind of have to put these, well, actually, a city has waited longer. It's the city of Washington. Blah, 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 blah. Nats win a World Series. So I can say, when was, the, when was Washington's last World Championship? Uh, this year. You know, just win one, please, so I can stop saying that. But, of all the franchises, the longest drought belongs to Cleveland. And we all saw how close 
they came to winning the World Series this year. They were one swing away. If Corey Kluber or Francisco Lindor or Carlos Santana hit a home run off of an exhausted Aroldis Chapman, there would be no crying Cub fans visiting the graves of their grandparents, kissing their gravestones. Instead, Fox would have one more year to milk the whole curse of the Billy Goat thing. Now the clock is on for Cleveland. Now, (laughs) the Cleveland Indians will remain a quality team. The Cleveland Indians will remain a team that will probably be a big-time contender next year. Now, I did a whole podcast on the White Sox. The White Sox can go either here or there. They could either be a big-time contender and go for it, and any team that has a legit ace and several other solid pitchers along the way and some young, talented players on the team has a chance to contend. I'll go out on a limb and say that. Or they can say, hey, they will never have better uh, uh, market value for these players. I did a whole podcast on that, and I think the White Sox are at a crossroads right now. They could go for it and win a winnable American League, or they can throw in the towel and rebuild big time. The American League is an extraordinarily unpredictable league. The Red Sox went from last to first. They went from last to first between 2012 and 2013, back to last for two years, back to first. You've seen the number of teams that have not made the postseason in the American League this decade is, well, it's very, very small. How small? Well, let's figure it out, shall we? The Let's go to teams. Okay, this decade, all five American League East teams have won their division this decade. I'm starting the decade at 2010, because that's when the damn decade starts. All the teams have won the division since then in the AL East. In the AL Central, the only team to not make the postseason, actually the only team, yeah, the only team to not win the division in the AL Central, that would be the Chicago White Sox. In the AL West, Astros have made the playoffs, Angels won the division, A's have won the division, Rangers won the division, the Mariners are the only one on the outside looking in. The White Sox and the Mariners are the only two American League teams to not play in the postseason since 2010. So, it's, you really, there's a tremendous amount of parity. With that being said, the Indians have the manager of the year in Terry Francona. They're the defending American League champs. They'll have a pitcher who will probably win his second Cy Young Award in three years. They'll have a team that will probably get Salazar and Carrasco back and have a lot of young talent in their pitching staff. They're a team that still has a solid bullpen. And one of the absolutely one of the most dynamic middle infields we've seen in a while with uh, Kipnis and a rising superstar in Lindor. If they can go out and find, and it's, you know... I'm not saying it's easy to find bats, but you can cut and paste and combine and find players on the scrap heap or players who were non-tendered. You can cut and paste an outfield. If they get 
one solid outfielder or someone comes up from their farm this rich farm system that they have and comes through and becomes a starting outfielder and anchors their team, I think the Indians are going to be a really solid contender. Now, <clears throat> they still have not won the World Series, and that is the proverbial orangutan on their back. And we've seen how close they were. Hell, if they got two more outs in 1997, we wouldn't have been talking about this. If, as I mentioned, if one of those three batters hit a home run off of an exhausted Aroldis Chapman, we wouldn't be talking about this. Or if Michael Martinez got a home run, which the chances of that were small, but it wasn't exactly like he was facing Randy Johnson. Michael Martinez versus Mike Montgomery facing off with the World Series on the line. Eh, it's possible. You might, Rabbit. You might. But let's talk about one thing. About the last two times the Indians put together a team that put the image of a World Series championship dancing in Cleveland fans' heads. We're talking about the mid to late 1990s and then the mid-2000s. And I'm going to bring up a word. Aces. Timing with aces. Aces on the move. In the, mid two th in the mid-1990s, the Indians exploded onto the scene with a tremendous season in 1994 that was interrupted by the strike, of which at the time of the strike, they trailed a White Sox team that was loaded by only a game. The next year, everything clicked, kind of like how the Cubs went from being a good, solid contender in 2015 to 2016, everything clicked, and they went to the World Series and won it. That Cleveland team won 100 games out of only 144, and got to Game 6 of the World Series, which they lost by only one run. Three of their losses in the 1995 World Series were by a single run to an Atlanta Braves team that seemed hell-bent to finally win their first world championship. But it could have easily have gone to the Indians. A few years later, they lost to the Marlins in that weird, wild World Series that had a classic finish. 1998, they put together and challenged the Yankees better than anyone in that season, where they actually took a 2-1 series lead against the mighty Yankees that year. They had several outstanding seasons along the way. But they always seemed to be lacking in that one dominant ace in their team. They had fine pitchers, Oral Hershiser, Denny Martinez, El Presidente, Charles Nagy, they had some pitchers with some talent, and Jarrett Wright had a wonderful postseason in 1997. But remember, in that era, David Cohn changed teams a few times. Roger Clemens changed teams a few times. But in 1997, Randy Johnson went to the postseason as a Mariner. In 1998, he went to the postseason as an Astro. In 1999, he went to the postseason as a Diamondback. Three straight years, three different teams in the postseason. Kevin Brown, lest we forget, at his peak, Kevin Brown was a great pitcher. Between 97 and 1997, World Series with the Marlins. 1998, World Series with the Padres. 1999, found himself with the Dodgers. Pedro Martinez went from the Expos to the Red Sox. Uh, as I mentioned before, Roger Clemens went from the Red Sox to the Blue Jays to the Yankees. 
there was a tonnage of ace caliber pitchers, and I'm sure there's one or two that I'm forgetting along the way who changed teams along the way. Eventually, Mike Mussina, who put together a Hall of Fame caliber career, at least it'd be an interesting conversation, Mike Mussina went from Baltimore to New York. Interesting thing, none of them went to Cleveland. I am absolutely convinced. And for some of those players, they were rentals. You know, one year in San Diego with Kevin Brown, trip to the World Series off to L.A., I'm convinced that if the Cleveland Indians had even rented an ace for a year, had even opened up their wallets or opened up their prospects or something, that they would have won. To have a number one starter at the top may have been the difference, a tipping point. Think of the some of the tight postseason races that they lost you know, the, against Baltimore in 96, against the Marlins in 97, against the Yankees in 98, blowing the two-game-to-none lead to the Red Sox in 99, blowing a 2-1 lead to Seattle in 2001. I'm convinced that in one of those years, they hand the ball to a can't-miss ace. They move on. I think that was the difference in an era where aces found new homes constantly. A team that could hit with anyone, and despite Jose Mesa's flopping, had a pretty deep bullpen. Needed that stud at the top of the rotation. It couldn't have hurt. They got so close without one. I'm not 100% sure how wins above replacement works, but I have a feeling that throwing in even a rented Randy Johnson the way that the Astros did would have been worth one more win in the postseason here or there. And in a bunch of those years I just mentioned, one win may have made the difference. And I think about the other time. In... 2007, really 2005 to 2007, the Indians were a solid team. And in 2007, they had a three-game-to-one lead against the Red Sox in the postseason in the ALCS. They wound up handing the ball to Sabathia, who got clobbered. And Fausto Cormona, or was it Roberto Hernandez? We'll never know his real name. Got hammered in game six, and Jake Westbrook got his butt kicked in the final game, and the Red Sox wound up winning the pennant. The Indians blew a three-game-to-one lead in that series. Now, granted, they did have the Cy Young Award winner in C.C. Sabathia, and he did not outpitch Josh Beckett in that critical Game 5. But if the Indians had won that series, they would have gone on to face the Rockies. Now, the Rockies seemed to be this obsessed team who couldn't lose, who ran into a buzzsaw that was the quality 2007 Red Sox. I think the Indians probably would have won. We wouldn't be having this conversation about wondering what would have happened if Jason Kipnis got a hold of one. Now, there's a name that I didn't mention. When you think about the Indians pitchers who started in 2007, Sabathia, Carmona slash Hernandez, uh, Paul Bird, and Jake Westbrook. Not Cliff Lee. Cliff Lee was a wonderful pitcher, an ace-caliber pitcher, one who wound up winning the Cy Young Award in 2008. 
They had the Cy Young Award in back-to-back years, Sabathia and Cliff Lee. But guess what? They didn't time it that they were aces at the same time. Sabathia won in 2007, and Cliff Lee stunk. He wasn't even put on the playoff roster. I wasn't sure if he was injured or not, but he had a horrible season. If you had Cliff Lee at full strength, who showed he was a quality postseason pitcher when he pitched with Philadelphia in 2009 and the Texas Rangers in 2010, and Sabathia, it's better to hand it to a Cliff Lee in a Game 7 than a Westbrook and close your eyes and cross your fingers. They wound up trading both of them over the next couple of years, and the, the haul that they got back was... Well, less than stellar. Matt LaPorter never turned into the star that they thought he was going to be. Bad timing with moving aces. Bad time with aces being healthy. Bad timing with trading aces. And you could have had, instead of talking about whether or not the Cleveland Indians would ever win a world championship, you'd, you'd be saying, would the Cleveland Indians win a championship in their third straight decade? So now it brings us to the present-day Indians. They have Corey Kluber, a legit ace. And I believe that had he not gotten, you know, he was out of gas. I mean, we all know he was out of gas for Game 7 of the World Series. But he was putting together a performance that would have earned him a World Series MVP. You know, I, I, wonder, I wonder who would have won the World Series MVP had the Indians gotten that home run in the bottom of the ninth. Probably would have been Kluber. Probably would have been him. Either way, they have one ace in Kluber. Now, when you take a look around, Sale could be on the block. That's true. Zach Greinke could be on the block. That's also true. Justin Verlander may be on the block. That's also true. In a postseason, in an offseason, sorry, not postseason, but in an offseason, where there is no legit ace available via free agency, unless you consider Rich Hill to be a legit ace, which, look, at he's a fine pitcher, and he'll probably do a good job, but he's also an injury risk, and just, what, 19 months ago, he was considered a reclamation project. You can't go from reclamation project to can't-miss Cy Young contender in a year and a half. It's just not possible. And so, with so many teams needing starting pitching, of course... You can look up and say, hey, if you have an ace and you're thinking of rebuilding, like the Tigers probably are, like the Diamondbacks should be, like the White Sox very well might be, you can get yourself a nice big quality haul. Who knows, maybe even the Braves would be interested in putting Julio Turan up there. You don't know. Maybe the Red Sox could be tempted to drop David Price. I don't see that happening. But you never know. But the point I'm making is this. There will be available aces, number one starters, that can't miss pitcher. Now, of course, that can be a dangerous thing. Remember, Barry Zito was considered an ace. David Price hardly mowed him down the way Red Sox fans hoped for. You could be a big flopperino. But the Cleveland Indians do not have that big a window. A market like Cleveland isn't going to sustain a big long-term success. They're just not. That's just the reality of it. They have a window of opportunity, which is um, now. 
They have a team that is good enough to get back to the postseason. Now, what if, with that big, deep, rich farm system, they down, they dip in a little bit, and they say, "Do you know what? Maybe we'll work something out and bring in Grinky or Verlander or Sale to go alongside Corey Kluber. Maybe this is what they have to do. You know, when the Red Sox finally won." They pushed their chips to the center of the table. When the Cubs finally won, they pushed their chips to the center of the table. Said, screw it. We got close. We're going all in now. Now, some teams have broken long stretches where they hadn't won by essentially having everything come together in one glorious year where a combination of their farm system and good quality trades and signings happen to click. I'm looking at the White Sox of 2005. I'm looking at the Giants of 2010. That's true. I'm looking at the Kansas City Royals of 2015. That's true. And we would have been looking right at the Cleveland Indians had Kipnis gotten a hold of one. But the Indians have to take advantage. They were one swing away with three consecutive batters for forever ending this discussion of where the Indians stand in terms of a world championship. And now they just got to erase it. They got to say, do you know what? We have to get rid of this. We have to stop this. This is bananas. We've got to win a World Series so this franchise can move on and so this team can move on and these fans can move on and finally have this and not have it hang over our heads. It's a moment of catharsis for a franchise. And I've seen teams up close, as I said, the Red Sox and the Giants, but the Cubs and the White Sox, that when they finally have that moment of finally... We don't have to wonder if this is going to happen. It's done. We've hit reset. We've moved on. We've joined the past and killed it at the same time. Which makes me take a good long look at the Cleveland Indians. Is it worth it? Is it worth digging deep, finding a few prospects, and bringing in that one killer pitcher who might seal the deal? You know, Carrasco and Merritt and Salazar could all line up and be tremendous along with Bauer. Or you could say Kluber and Zinke at the top and then look out American League Central. Now, you could say Sully. The Detroit Tigers had tons of aces and they couldn't seal the deal in a World Series. That's true. That's true. I mean, at one point, they had what? They had Scherzer and Verlander and, and Annabelle Sanchez and Doug Fister. And yeah, they had an incredibly deep starting pitching staff. I grant you that. They also had a bullpen that I think I would have been the third option of. The Indians have a pen. The Indians have many good things going for them. And they could very well win the World Series with the team as it is constituted now. I think they need to go out and be aggressive and try to bring in one or two veteran outfielders, maybe one or two veteran hitters. I think that'll be fine. But this is a chance. Think of what an ace. An ace could have made the difference in the 90s. 
Lee and Sabathia having a great series at the same time could have made the difference in 2007. Think of the players on those teams. Beloved by Indian fans. Bayerga, Sandy Alomar, Albert Bell, Jim Tomey, Manny Ramirez, Omar Vizquel, Kenny Lofton on that squad. Lofton was on the 2007 team as well, along with the Grady Sizemores, along with the Ryan Garcos, along with the Travis Hafners and the Azdrubal Cabreras of the world. All these wonderful, wonderful Cleveland Indians who were beloved by their team, but missing that one thing. Now we take a look at an Indians team with more beloved names. Kluber, Kipnis, Lindor, Santana, Salazar. All wonderful players. Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, beloved by Indian fans. Give them a crown. Give them another real shot. One swing away, do you know what? This will be the prologue to the joy that comes by next year. The Kansas City Royals were one swing away from winning the World Series in 2014. But Madison Bumgarner got uh, Salvador Perez to pop up. You know, an ace. And then the next year they wound up beating the Mets... A team that was, yes, had a few aces of their own, to be sure. This is a chance, Indians. Think about it. Bring in that other big-time pitcher to go along with Corey Kluber. That double-A sparrow gun, win that title, and then relax. Maybe they'll even accept another rebuilding. Maybe they'll just see an Indians parade smile and hope to get another Cavaliers parade as well. Cleveland's a different place now that they've had a championship. So it's on the Indians to take their name off the list. So when people say, what team has waited the longest to win a championship? They'll say a team from the expansion era. Unless you want to get all cute and bring up Washington, which I probably will because I'm a bit of a jerk. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Trevor, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 16th day of November 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.